I have the pleasure to uh, introduce the, the next, the next uh, artist talk that will be led by uh, with Ibrahima Mama. Ibrahima Mama is an artist who lives in uh, and works in Tamale in Ghana. He creates spaces of uh, social intervention where he, where the boundary between artistic antagonism and civil participation are refought. In its physical manifestation, the artist exploratory practice engulfs marketplaces, abandoned railways, bridges, and other normalized environments frequented by inhabitants. His work has been established, installed in Kumasi and Accra, and at Knuts Museum in Ghana. Ibrahima's work is uh, presented here at the fair with a Palazzo Gallery, which is uh, in the West Wing. It is a great pleasure to have uh, Ibrahima Mama, Mahama, sorry, Mahama presenting his work here. I personally came across his work only recently, and I was immediately drawn to it, about its physicality, even its smell, olfactory uh, uh, element about it, and I'm very happy that uh, Ibrahim Mama uh, Mahama. I'm sorry, why am I always saying Mama? Because there is a, a thing about Mama about it. Ibrahim Mahama is will be talking to uh, Ose Bonsu. Ose was uh, among many things uh, the master of ceremony of forum. Now he's on stage himself and uh, was a project assistant to, to the whole educational program that I run here at the fair. He's also, beyond that, an independent curator and writer based around London. He contributes to a number of journals, amongst which, very importantly, NKA, the Journal of Contemporary African Art, the New African Art and Art Review. He's currently working on a catalogue essay for the Milan Expo's Art and Food Exhibition, curated by Germano Celan, as well as other artist-focused projects, namely an extensive series of interviews. He is uh, the co-author of Art of Bounds, an artist book producing collaboration with Ibrahim Mahama that will be published by One Star Press in December 2014. It is uh, a great pleasure to have both of you discuss and because it is, uh, you have a, a, a very, I mean, you have developed over the past few months or years maybe uh, a, a very uh, intimate curator-artist relationship that I think it's, uh, it's, uh, it's very uh, um, insightful for, for all of us. So have a nice talk. Um, right, okay. So where to begin? Um, I guess what's interesting, because Koyo mentioned this intensive relationship that Ibrahim and I have been having, I'd say for months. No, it's been over a year. Yeah. Uh, so the, uh, I think the first and probably most important thing to mention was the first encounter with his work. Um, I, like many other people who get to experience Ibrahim's work, will, will namely have associated his practice with photography. Um, actually, Ibrahim wasn't necessarily a photographer when we met, but rather, I guess you could say, an installation artist or rather an artist dealing with public space. 
Um, you're about to see, I think, some 20 images that represent those installations in situ, but they are not the artworks themselves. And I think the complexity of that representation is something we can talk about later. But as a kind of starting point, um, and I really want you to absorb the image that's on the screen, we could talk about um, the process and context of the work. For anyone who's never been to Ghana, perhaps never been to Accra, um, has no idea of the marketplaces or their social conditions, could you explain um, in kind of quite specific terms what it is that you do in these spaces? Yeah. Um, what I do actually as an artist is that from the beginning I was, oh, I've always been very much interested in the uh, conditions of people, whether it be it uh, social conditions or like economic conditions or anything. And those things uh, drive me in terms of the kinds of spaces that I choose to work with or the kind of people that I choose to dialogue with in the terms of the production of an artwork. Um, in the beginning, I was very much drawn to making uh, works that were very, very formalist and also uh, very, very representational. And then um, as I worked more and more, I was looking for ways to develop this process. And this idea of dialogue and language became very, very important. And once dialogue set in, then I realized that um, in working with the material as I'm working with this particular project, the history of the material or the if you like, the transitional uh, stages or processes of the material become very, very important or very, very relevant. It's almost like uh, an archival document which has uh, a different way of presenting itself. So then I, what I do is that I go into like, um, spaces, I have dialogues with uh, people, like in a typical Ghanaian market, you would find people sell commodities. So then I talk with them and then I take the, commodity, uh, the, the bags, and then I give them new bags. So the point of exchange is very important. It's not something that we do over exchange of money. It's over uh, dialogue and then over exchange of other things. And then we, I take it back to the studio, and then with the help of those same people, they leave whatever uh, work they're doing at that time, and they come to the studio to help uh, in the production of the artwork. And I think it's relevant to think about the context in terms of uh, the transference of uh, a particular condition into the making of um, an object, which then in, again turns to, have to, turns to make another intervention in terms of how it is installed and how um, the people within the space that deal with it. Yeah, so that's something we could probably talk about further, is yeah. this idea of the object yeah. um, as a kind of loaded idea art historically, but also in the present moment, since we're at an art fair upstairs, yeah. there are hundreds um, of objects being sort of fetishized and, and, and commodified as we speak. And I think that what is interesting to talk about in relation to what you mentioned about value yeah. is this issue around the values uh, we deem to see, we, we deem to see artworks as having. Um, and that so often art, uh, the processes that artists go through in any given um, practice, uh, whether it be a painterly one or yours, which is based around installation. Um, so often the process is neglected when people encounter the final object and we detach um, actually how it's made from what we see in front of us in an art fair or a museum, etc. And that's, I think, an interesting point because so few of these works have had an institutional context. Um, but speaking about um, impetus and drive, because I think one thing that also isn't demarcated in these images is actually how intensive the process is. And to make a given work like this, which was your first 
installation yes. in a market. So it was in the very, the very place where Ibrahim was trading the materials with the uh, market workers, was the same place where it was being presented. Um, and there's an interesting uh, kind of notion at play there that, that, that the exchange and the audience, um, they're the very same people. So the work is being traded, but then it's being presented before their eyes. So in terms of the impetus and drive and about uh, the public space in Ghana, how would you say working in these conditions is, is specific and kind of unlike maybe working in... Um, well, you said you had a practice that was representational and object-based mm -hmm. before. Um, how this is different? How kind of this type of work, the process involved? I think um, to think about making work in this way, <laughs> it's, um, it already changes the, the form in which the artwork is seen. Like, um, it also it changes um, how the work is presented. Because then, um, in the, when I started thinking about uh, producing works that were um, socially engaging, then I, I began to think of the works as things that had uh, artistic um, um, qualities that preceded me as an artist in a way. So I, calling it interventions is also a bit um, tricky sometimes because I also tend to think of, of the materials as, because of the, their transitional processes and other things, I think they are interventions in themselves already. My position as an artist only becomes a player where I turn to engage with these kinds of um, things that I encounter. So uh, working, the, the installations came as a result that in the beginning when I was making these works, although it was, um, I had an intention of making um, a work that would be socially engaging. I wasn't fully much aware of it until I did this very first installation where I went into the site to install the work. But then there were, group, there, there was, there were this group of young uh, men who took up the work and then they installed. So then looking at, look, standing back and looking at the whole process of putting my physical labor into the work, it got me rethinking about the very subjects that I was working with in terms of his value and all that. And that was the point at which I started rethinking about the implication of the hand or other people within this same uh, within the, the installation. So then, in terms of um, installing a work, then the um, in terms of how it's presented doesn't solely come from my um, vision, um, soul vision as an artist in terms of what I how I want the work to look, and also there is a certain sense of occupation already dwelling within those spaces because people. Although it might be uh, um, a public a property or maybe a government-owned space where people are just um, trading in, you also have to understand that as an artist, I believe that people have, um, have the right to physically um, have a dialogue or determine what happens within those spaces. So then um, it became very, very important in terms of how I look at the whole process and the... So then I guess we could shift to how these works have kind of been roving projects. I, to my understanding, you've never presented the same work in any given space more than once. No. So it's been roaming, and, it's been and, and it's been roaming from uh, places like Accra to Kumasi, and even in Tamale, where you're from, um, one of which is a rural context, the others are, one is urban, the other slightly less urban. One's incredibly um, uh, kind of uh, sort of... Uh, pushing forward in terms of its development, both industrial and kind of um, 
its kind of uh, methods of sort of capitalistic production. Um, so I'd be interested to know why you choose specific sites and how you encounter them in the first place. Um, in the beginning, it's, um, it was, I wasn't uh, very sure about the kind of spaces I'd wanted to work with. Um, but first of all, I knew that I was interested in working with spaces <laughs> that, in terms of the ownership of those spaces, was um, something that was very, very complicated in terms of dealing with it. Like working with um, this sort of uh, bridges or working with this market space, which in a way, uh, in the conversation which I have constantly have with these um, uh, people living within these spaces, um, they have um, the total control of this space. But then in terms of making decisions about the space, there is a certain sense of uh, annihilation between those uh, two. So I found it very interesting, but it was also quite contradictory in terms of how people can live within a space for a long time. But in terms of influences within the space, it's also a bit uh, cutaway. So in terms of um, negotiating with um, spaces like this, you, do, you almost don't have to go to an extreme to talk to uh, maybe a metropolitan assembly because they own the land. I actually believe that it's more important to have a dialogue, um, a civic dialogue with the um, people who are um, occupying those spaces and who are living, whose lives depend on those particular spaces. And those things, it's, it's, not, um, it's not as different as the work that I, uh, I make. I think the, the, the idea of those spaces are already implicated within the work in terms of its structure, whether you look at it formally or you look, look at it um, aesthetically or something. So then um, it's important that in choosing spaces, I'm very particular about who I'm talking to and the current uh, condition of that space. So this particular image that you see was um, uh, an old um, uh, railway bridge in Kumasi, um, which had been used for a very long time. But now people don't really use it much. They, there was a fence around the railway, so when it stopped, people started walking through the railway to cross from one side of the town to the other side of the town. And um, as, as a result of that, people have established businesses and other things. And most of the time, there's this conversation about whether people dwelling within those spaces are legitimate or not. But as an artist, I turn to believe that it's quite legitimate for people to have access to these things and work. Um, so, um, I personally had to have a full dialogue with them about this. And sometimes it's not always an agreement. Some people might agree, some people will not agree, but you have to work with it. And in other spaces, as you'll see as the images go by, um, it's more, it becomes very, very, it becomes a pool of tension where you have to seriously engage or try to convince uh, maybe a city authority about the relevance of art within uh, a certain cultural discourse and all that. So. It's always very, very <laughs> tricky, but then I believe that as an artist, it's, it's, the reason for making those things already is not, um, it's not, for, it's not for an aesthetic reason. It's, for, it's because it's pushing a certain um, agenda, and I think that the agenda is something that I would like to highlight on, and that's why I push it, yeah. And I think we can return to that concept yeah. and, and speak about it as it's, I think little often spoken about in relation to, I guess, most contemporary practices that we think about their kind of implication in a, in a set of histories yeah. that are 
complex and, and difficult to define. And, and one thing that I find through working with 154, and a question that comes up often, is the extent to which artists from Africa should feel that they have the right or in some ways um, be able to appropriate or be influenced by uh, European, Anglo-American aesthetics, whatever they may be, whether they come from a conceptualism or abstraction. And the assumption is often that any kind of contemporary African pr practice has its roots in something that, some, some kind of idea that migrated from the West. And I think while I wouldn't uh, like to speak about the practices that we might relate to Ibrahim's art historically, I think it's worth mentioning that, you know, the birth of conceptualism really was a kind of social antagonism and what for the majority of, for the majority of people who were producing conceptual art, there was a kind of very, very strong um, notion that art could do more than just be art. And I think this idea of art changing the world, or art being somewhat implicated in social discourse and in um, politics, really kind of belongs to that era. And I don't think it is spoken about often enough in relation to contemporary African practices, how political they actually are. Um, and that's what it's interesting when you mention an agenda, because you're not speaking of that agenda yet, but I think maybe we could open that out about why it's important to think about this not as an aesthetic practice, but as a one that's social. Um, and I don't think that's kind of something to be taken lightly. It's not social because it's trying, or you can correct me if I'm wrong, but because it's trying to relate to others. But I think it's social in the sense that it's trying to operate within um, a set of perimeters and, and if that expand those perimeters to make people see that art has a place within society that, 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 that exceeds perhaps its kind of traditional role. Um, and I think that's quite a contentious thing to be doing in a context like Ghana where painting is still the dominant medium and representa representational art still is the kind of dominant form of, of expression. Um, so we could talk about that. So this is what I wanted to get into next, is, is the field of cultural production in Ghana. How would you define that landscape and how would you define um, the kinds of practices you see? Um, maybe not the kinds of practices, but um, the kind of forms of artwork that are most commonly produced within Ghana. I think um, in Ghana we had a, a very long uh, tradition of making arts that was very, very formalistic. Um, and with time, for some reason, painting became very much of a dominant, um, yeah. So then people, in terms of uh, thinking about art, it's um, a lot of people think of art in its, still in a very hierarchical manner. Um, you probably, a painting has to be much more favoured of a medium because once you make a painting, then you have to be very, very formalistic in terms of how you approach the medium and all that. But then when I spoke about the, uh, the agenda within the, the works that I do and why I do some of the things I do, it's also because of some of these things that uh, really got into me as an artist in terms of trying to deal with... Um, um, in trying to deal with a system or a society whereby the, maybe the institutional structures are not uh, really um, engaging fully with um, all forms of um, artistic practices and all that. Um, and it, it also becomes very, very, um, uh, it also becomes very political also because the, in trying to produce work as an artist, I'm also thinking about my role or my position within the history of arts practices within um, a, a context like Ghana and how my practice as an artist could in a way become a point where it could cause a, a break of a chain that other people 
with who are either of my generation or after me could think about their role <laughs> as artists within the system in a different way. So then most uh, artists now could, even if they are painting, they could think about the idea of painting or the subject of painting in a much more open sense because it's still very, very, it's still very difficult for people to understand painting as a, as a language rather than a specific medium. So then not thinking about the painting in terms of uh, subjects on a canvas or on a surface where you can only interact, but think about the language of the medium and how the artist could become very much implicated within that whole uh, system. So, And I think that's, um, that's an important question, the one of mm. systems, because I think when you uh, first began to work on these projects, there was no doubt that you could make the work alone. You would have needed a team to collaborate mm. with. And yet drawing on another conceptual notion of the third hand and the idea of art being ultimately one of collaboration or, or producing an art um, as a kind of generative way mm -hmm. and in a way of including other people in, in a social practice. Um, could you talk about the people who do get involved in your practice, where they come from and, and who they are and, and maybe even what they think of your work, if, if they do indeed comment on it at all? Yeah, um, the, the image that you see of some of the um, pe people, the players within my work, um, these uh, particular women that you see are from the northern part of Ghana. I mostly work with people who have, um, who have traveled or migrated from one space to the other to do um, work. Uh, and mostly not just any kind of work. Even if I work with people who haven't migrated, I'm also thinking about it in a certain uh, sense of um, um, freedom or also highlighting within a certain uh, particular uh, condition. So I turn to, I turn to um, talk with them a lot. In the beginning, it wasn't because they, this idea about art was still, very, was still very, very difficult to talk to them about. So I developed a strategy whereby I engage people on a social level, or I find, pe I find things about my work that is much more interesting to have a conversation with people, rather than talking to them specifically about the process of art making. Because once, once you begin to think of it purely as making art, then there can never actually be a sense of dialogue or engagement between myself as an artist or the kinds of people that I'm um, working with. And it's um, very obvious in my work that I'm very much interested in the conditions of all the people that I work with. So sometimes we talk, we have a dialogue surrounding those things and then it leads to other dialogues and then eventually some of them are uh, willing to come to the studio to um, uh, join in the production of the work. And one important thing also was that in terms of uh, dealing with these uh, forms of condition, it became very, very important that irrespective of whoever I work with and wherever they are coming from, at the end of the day, there's a certain sense of equality in terms of how you think about the production of the artwork and who gets involved in it. So I've worked not only with them, but I've worked also with other artists who have uh, graduates from the university or people who have graduated from university who don't have jobs in a way but at the end of the day when we work the same amount of money I pay them is the same amount of money I pay the graduate because this idea that I was talking about in terms of it's having a certain agenda I think that the idea of uh, socialism 
also became something that was very, very important to me in terms of how I was dealing with the various um, players within the within the picture of making an artwork or making an object that doesn't seem to clearly have uh, an aesthetic function, function, but has a much more bigger uh, role in terms of the kinds of uh, the kinds of meanings that it can generate or its implication within um, okay. society. Well, I think that on that point, we could talk maybe about where you feel your art um, has kind of successfully done what you set out to do. Because I know that when these works are conceived often, um, and I think to explain a little bit about your process, even prior to talking to the women, um, and I, 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 I'll try and break it down. So you have an idea of a space where you'd like to work. You're aware that there would be some kind of authority, um, you know, some kind of uh, authoritative barrier in the way, whether that be a council or a local authority. You would then talk to them and negotiate <coughs> how that space could be used, um, if indeed it's a space that, that, that has the, the, where those um, cautions are, are placed. And then you engage with a dialogue with the, the workers, whether they be students or women from the market, about how the work could be produced. You find the materials by trading it. Yes. But there, are no, there is no um, preparatory drawing or kind of... No. So, I mean, we could talk maybe a little bit about... Well, that, that's a very unconventional practice, um, but also about this idea of when you are risking not having certain things in place before you begin a work, and you're dealing in many cases with structures that are, you know, as structures are, you know, they're, 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 they're um, flexible, mm -hmm. but they could also break, fall, you could damage them in some way. Um, the risks, and I'd love to know maybe a little bit more about where you feel the work's been most successful in this social context, where it's been, where it's done its most, um, where you've done your most kind of um, engaging work. Um, I think the most engaging work by far was the most, this was the most uh, successful work by far because um, I was working on a project where it was uh, completely experimental and most of these um, are experimental because I don't go to a very large extent to know whether the project will be fully successful before embarking on it. I Though it's knowing that there, there's going to be a lot of complications, and I'm willing to, um, I'm willing to go through the complications to uh, realize the, the the work. So in this particular work, there, there's been a lot of uh, development in Ghana recently, and I'm always also very much interested in the gap between certain um, um, between different spaces within Ghana, because sometimes you go through a very very important. Um, rich neighborhood and then the next minute you are within a very very big um, place that is more or less like um, seen as a slum or anything but then that's uh, another thing to deal with but then I'm always interested in this uh, differences or these contradictions within the cityscape and all that and in this particular one I I was I I'd wanted to use a scaffold in uh, building a structure within the market space where I was going to cover up this scaffold afterwards with uh, the women I was working with and also these professional scaffolders. But then when we started working with it, I hadn't given prior um, notice. I, I had just uh, negotiated with the women working within the space because I had worked with them for close to two years, so they fully trusted what I was doing. So 
when we started, when we started in erected, most people came around because they felt very threatened because most of the time what we find is that you have people dwelling within spaces and then the next moment you have governments coming and saying that we're, uh, everyone has to leave because this is da 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 da. And I, it's, it was very interesting to play with that idea. I knew that it was very dangerous because, um, but then it was worth uh, um, just uh, placing myself within that uh, position in a way to see what would happen. And I started um, erecting the scaffolding. And all of a sudden, I got more attention than any other project I'd done because people felt very threatened. They were like, why are you building the scaffold? It's there something, it's something, is there going to be a construction? Because the scaffold also represents this idea of breaking down and like redeveloping. And so that idea, I think that in thinking about the way people within the city, whether they're, uh, whether they're, considered as people who are very relevant to the idea of decision-making within a larger framework, educated or not, I think that there's still a very, very relevant voice in terms of how people can contribute to the, the dialogue or the development of society. So then when it happened that way, they came around, everyone came around asking me to pull out the projects. But then I was, the idea was to keep having a dialogue with them as the project was going on. And eventually they said, okay, you can do the projects. But then you can't, they gave me restrictions. And out of the restrictions, a, a strong wind blew. It was just a technical thing. And there, there were people on the scaffold and it was very dramatic. So the scaffold, I was standing there when the scaffold was coming. So I just jumped out of the picture and there was this big, uh, chaos. So then the people in the area had like quadrupled. I'd never seen much people within an area. And then as soon as they came, we, we told you we're going to kill someone, you were going to do something bad, da 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 da. And there was uh, a guy buried in the scaffold, and I was very much afraid. I thought I was going to jail because I thought the guy was dead, but he was fine. And then I said, <laughs> I said, okay, let's, let's, let's pause for a moment. Is he fine? He said he's fine. I said, I don't think you are fine. So let's cancel the project and let's get you to a hospital. And then we took him to a hospital. He was fine. There was no internal bleeding or anything. But the idea was that upon all, the, 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 although the, the project failed and I uh, took responsibility for the thing I was doing, the other thing was that because there was an extensive dialogue also, there was a lot of, there's always a lot of respect within the process of making the work. And I think the integrity of building, um, making a project or working on something, even <coughs> ordinarily, is very, very important to an extent that even after the disaster happened, they were still willing. They asked me, do you want us to start all over again? You can do it all over again. Even when the disaster happened, they were willing to take the risk again. Myself as an artist, I became very skeptical whether I had wanted to push on the projects again. But then they said, no, they said you shouldn't, things like this happen all the time. We understand. Mm -hmm. And then it, it really, it was very, very, I think it was a very, very strong highlight. It changed my whole perception about this idea about dialogue and this idea about how you uh, place yourself within a system and how you're implicated in it and how you become also this player who is able to negotiate your way within uh, systems and whether things works out or not, there's a way that you can find a point of meeting. But I think it may also be a kind of good example or, or kind of a, a, a lesson of how your biggest 
successes could ultimately be your, your failures. failures. And yeah. I think that's something that maybe isn't talk and, talked about enough in relation to artistic practice is that there's a lot of failure involved. Yeah. Uh, but you fail in public, which is yeah. quite different. <laughs> um, so I really wanted to move on to this uh, project because it's immediately, I mean, visually quite different from the others. And yeah. it was one that um, it took a long time for me it's to adjust yeah. to because it was so visual. Yeah. Um, so maybe uh, the, I'll introduce the, the project in some yeah. ways. There's a, a festival in Ghana, which is a kind of interdisciplinary music and culture festival called Chaliwote. Yes. Chaliwote is a festival that invites numerous artists, musicians, actors, journalists to kind of celebrate um, Ghanaian vitality and to someone, it's a Pan-African event, right? So yes. they invite people from outside of, of Ghana uh, to be involved. I mean, it's been seen as incredibly central over the last four years, really, because with the exception of a handful of institutions, it's one of the few spaces where artists can show work. And what's so significant is it provides the artist to show performative work, installation work, work that's being done outdoors. Um, so for an artist like Ibrahim, it's obviously, I imagine it's provided a, a great opportunity. But maybe if you could talk about the audience that's given your work and, and what's going on in this specific image. Um, so um, last year when I was out of uh, school doing the MFA, I, they, they approached me about doing a project for um, Chaluote, that was 2013. And I felt that was interesting. We had a project with the Asher Fort, um, no, it was the James Fort prison in Jamestown where the festival mainly happened. And then I had the chance to make an intervention within the uh, prison, the facade of the prison. Um, and it got quite, uh, um, quite an attention because it was in the main streets and um, everyone saw, who saw the work didn't quite understand what was going on. But then I, they, what turns to happen is that we always turn to think that, oh, art or the idea about art is so much removed from certain contexts or certain spaces in such a way that why would you present work within a public context, let's say within Ghana, because people don't care enough about art or they don't understand the language of art. But I think that it's a question of whether artists are willing to um, push their ideas about their work, because then if we constantly make work that are very, very formalistic or very traditional, we are also aware that those works could only be presented within certain spaces or certain contexts. So pe people in Ghana would not ordinarily walk into uh, a gallery or a museum, uh, um, the National Museum, and to, to, to want to learn more about what is going on. So I think that it's left for us as artists and cultural players to know maybe kinds of strategies that we can uh, appropriate in such a way that it will be things that people ordinarily will feel a certain need to have a certain sense of dialogue. This one... It's, it's, it's very different from the work that I make uh, in terms of visually, but I like to think of it as the same. I was originally working with the wax prints from the very beginning when I was working with the uh, material. And I thought about the wax prints because I was collecting those same materials, and then, um, but I, I didn't use those materials I was collecting in this work. In this particular work, I bought materials that were produced, uh, that were... Uh, industrially produced from Velisco and then their the, uh, counterparts that were produced in China and then putting the materials together to create a certain tension between the old and then the new and then also the idea of taste and how people relate to these ideas over time. Of course, I, I very much, um, I very much um, 
was very much aware of the uh, discourse surrounding the idea of the wax print and Yinka Shunibari's use of it uh, over the years. But then I always tend to want to think about my work from a different uh, point of view or from a different angle without necessarily thinking about the authenticity of the um, um, of the fabric in relation to the um, the coal sacks that I was working with. So I was gradually working on this particular piece. It, it took about two years. Um, I was just working on it little by little in the studio, collecting materials and other things. And last year, the, what happened with Chaloete was that I presented a work which was a combination of the wax print work, which was very, very uh, formal in a way that it looked, and then also the other parts of the work, which was also very, very, which was like the works, the interventions that I do. And I found that most people would stand in front of the work with a wax print because they found it very attractive, very formalistic, so they would take selfies and all that. And I was like, oh, maybe uh, if I present this work that I have been doing, I, I just want, I want to see the response to it. So then when I presented this work, then there was a big uh, selfie fiasco. Everyone, yeah, so this idea about people um, looking at the work in terms of its, the various relationships between the work and the space was a bit lost in this project. And for me personally as an artist, although by far it was the most successful in terms of having audiences come interact, touch the work, because people would wrap themselves up in the work. And the other works, people would never even go close to it. But then I thought that it was a failure, because then it's, it still felt very, very... If the work doesn't have a certain formal uh, structure that we could relate to, then it is this idea of not still going close to it. So... But then it's, it was still very uh, exciting to work with the festival, because the festival actually represents this idea of working with artists or art forms that become interdisciplinary. And also it's goals, it, uh, it's also around the same agenda that I work with, this idea about working with art in such a context that it uh, bridges certain gaps or blurs certain boundaries. So I think that's the next thing we could talk about. And, and I hope to somewhat, if any of you have been around 154 and really looked at the artworks present here, um, about this sense of interdisciplinarity. Yeah. Uh, I think that the um, notion that uh, Ibrahim is an artist who, for the most part anyway, is, is fairly ambivalent about um, the medium. Yeah. And it, it, in what some senses does refer to a kind of a post-medium ambivalence or yeah. feeling somewhat that um, there isn't quite a medium that you can think of that at least exists in artistic terms that can adequately define what it is that you're trying to do or articulate what it is that you in, intend to uh, create. Um, and from that perspective, I think, speaking about interdisciplinarity, it's often when an artist inhabits that space that they most rely on the input, the collaboration, the kind of, um, the, the kind of um, help of others mm -hmm. on quite a simple level. Mm -hmm. And could you speak about how doing Chaliwote and, and doing the works in general, I mean, other artists have been incredibly uh, involved in, 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 uh, in assisting you. Yes. And yes. how you might have assisted them as well. Yes, um, within, um, aside, uh, aside Chaluote, there have been other, um, been other uh, projects that we've done whereby, because they, the idea is that um, we uh, collectively, people, have, be, people are beginning to understand that this idea about um, art making, for a long time, we've, um, we, there was a lot of energy put into a certain form of art making. And 
this idea of exclusion and this uh, ex um, exclusivity and all that true just um, working with an object or something which is then shown within a certain space um, it, it becomes very very limited in a way and people are beginning to understand like uh, younger generation are beginning to understand that this idea of uh, exclusivity and then the, uh, the things becoming very very limited is quite problematic so then when we have um, projects when I have a project and I talk to other artists about assisting in it, they understand that in the longer term, it's um, collectively we can think about it as um, not uh, one in one way as a collaboration, in one way as uh, an agenda in terms of how um, an artist can think about himself as um, someone who is part of uh, a system who is trying to... Um, trying to engage, and also not trying to engage, but also trying to become very, very uh, influential in terms of how, um, how the discourse develops um, over time. So it's very, very important that uh, during Chalowiti, I had some of the artists who were showing, some of them were making poetry and things, but then they would climb up to the top of the building that we're working with to assist because they believe that this idea of they working with poetry, which is something which hasn't been worked a medium work with over the years and then my idea of working with public space and then going through the processes that I work with there's a certain sense of affinity there's a certain sense there's a certain place where we can have a common dialogue and we are ultimately we're trying to I think ultimately we're trying to um, we're trying to talk about the same thing it's just that it happens within different um, it happens in different ways and then we have to we have to come to, once we've come to that realization, then yeah. it's... So maybe I think um, before we open it out to questions, one of the last things I think would be useful to discuss is that how these images all come from a book we've been working on called Out of Bounds, which is um, really a kind of an artist book or a sort of, it's a, it's a kind of curatorial endeavor to some extent because what it's dealing with is how to re represent public space in book form and how to deal with the complexity of indirect access yeah. um, that we're all too aware of when it comes to these works because very few people will get to experience them in person. Um, obviously one of the things that Koyo didn't mention in her introduction is that your work is currently being presented here in London um, upstairs within 154 but also at the Saatchi Gallery which is an extremely different context to yes. the one uh, the ones that you've worked in before. Um, I'd like if you could kind of uh, open up about how that experience was and, and, and in fact how different it was from presenting work in these contexts. The idea of working within a space like the Saatchi Gallery or within working within a formal institution, it's, um, it's important. I don't think it's quite, I don't think it's uh, contradictory to the kinds of works or my artistic process and what I do. Um, I've always thought of my work as something that uh, becomes contradictory to the, um, this idea of um, the white cube space or the institutional space. But then also, it also sometimes depends on the institutional space for a certain kind of audience or for a certain kind of dialogue. Um, the, when I make work and then I transfer it from one space to the other, there's, the, there's this idea or intention that each time the, each time 
the so-called object moves from one place to the other. It has this thing of it about carrying the baggage of the the already uh, the spaces that it's been existed in, whether it's the conditions of those spaces or the people working within the spaces, or also the uh, politics of relation and how people receive these things. So when I had a chance to work with the Saatchi Gallery, I was more or less thinking of it as a space which was an extension of the projects I had already done in Ghana, because uh, these works, this particular image that you see, a lot of the work that was shown here was part of the work that was developed into this project, and it was from this project that part of the work went to the Saatchi Gallery, because it was a very, very huge work, and I think about 10% of the work was what ended up being in the Saatchi Gallery, and I thought that, in a way, thinking about a space like this in relation to the Saatchi um, Gallery, or a space as the Saatchi Gallery, which could be an institution or just an enclosed space, the dialogue becomes very, the dialogue uh, becomes extended because the audience changes, um, the way the work is installed in changes, and then the approach to the, uh, the approach to the work also becomes very, very uh, different. Because some of the things I realized that in installing these works, there were things that, uh, there were things that we did that was very, very informal in terms of how we thought about the engineering of this, because clearly there were not things to hold up the work. Uh, there wasn't a budget for it. It was very, very, you know, experimental. But then as in the Saatchi, as we, when we were working, the things were very, very ordered and very structured in terms of how the work would be placed. It may be installed in such a way that it will still have a certain formalist uh, tendency that people could still relate to um, the work mustn't do this or do that. I'm, as an artist, I'm very much aware of all, how all these things play, and I'm willing to either um, uh, uh, play along or not play along, but knowing that it has a certain uh, implication on how my uh, entire practice looks. So during the installation, the, the, I found the workers dressed up all, um, wearing all these masks and other things. and. Back home, uh, in doing the work, it was very, very free. Like people would just order, really, without anything, just jump into this idea of making the work because they believed that it was something that was going to be very important. But then, this idea of working within a different space also gives you a different perception about how things are received within different contexts, and it's um, quite important. I wouldn't um, shown um, or. Uh, disapprove of working within such spaces, but then yeah. find a way to dialogue. But, it, but it's extend. a space that has to be negotiated because it's a space where inevitably you're less free as an artist. Yes. Um, and then I think if we could touch on slightly, I mean, people are seeing all these works and they're probably wondering, will this ever end? I mean, will you ever run out of spaces to present work within? I think one thing we could perhaps talk about is, is, is not specifically where you see this project going, but if there was a kind of unrealized project or something that you saw yourself wanting to do within the next, you know, few months or years, what, what would that project look like and would it indeed be connected to the Occupation series, which is the series um, we've yeah. been looking at? I think the Occupation series, when I first talked about it, was first and foremost was purely political because I was then looking at how work is perceived 
And the work of um, the artist Santiago Sierra is also very important in terms of how he deals with this um, subject matter and how he works with different people and how people migrate from one space to the other and the various conditions surrounding these things. So for me, the, as um, you mentioned before, the work is not purely, it's post, um, I see it more or less as a post-material mm. thing and a post-object uh, uh, post um, 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 work in such a way that when I conceive an idea, like currently I'm working on an idea of working with the Independence Arc in Ghana, mm. um, where I would be building this monument and um, in um, uh, I had a very funny title for it, like a monument for the workers or something in celebration for the workers, which was supposed to be a monument built upside down and then the, the it's act of freedom and justice, which is in the year of independence on the arc, but then have it built in such a way that it would occupy a certain building or a formal architecture between the, the space between the two uh, forms of architectures in such a way that there would always be a, like a strong tension mm. and built in such a way that this uh, fallen or this uh, radical monument becomes um, larger than the, um, the architecture, which also has its own connotations and all that. And also we spoke about in Ghana about the museum, that the museum projects I wanted to work with, which is a museum which was built a few years ago. Um, to house uh, science and technological things. But over the years, it's just been la left uh, bare. So you have um, squatters uh, living within the space. But I'm interested in working within the space and not taking the people out of the context of the space, but then just presenting an artwork or intervention within the space in such a way that the, both um, the people um, living within the space and the objects that are presented in the space have a certain sense of dialogue. Sometimes it's very, very contradictory, or as an artist, you might not fully have control, but I like this idea that you lose control over it and it, it, it forms, it builds its own language. So at that point, we're, we're gonna open up to questions. I, I could just ask that you wait for a microphone. Um, they're coming, yeah. Do you think that your your work sort of needs explanation about this dialogue that you've had um, when it's been made, when it's presented in an exhibition space like the Saatchi Gallery? I think that it's important for, um, because as an artist, you will always never be present um, to talk about what drives the making of your work. But I always make it a point to talk about the basis of my work. And I think that in presenting it in a context like the Saatchi or an institution, already there's a formal structure in terms of uh, a catalogue or in terms of a write-up. So I think that um, um, the voice of the artist, of course, there will always be many forms of interpretations from uh, different kinds of audiences and how they receive these things. But then the catalogue and other things become this way of um, reading uh, the meaning or directing the reading of the meaning into the work. In the other spaces that I work with, like these spaces, it is not done as an artwork. It's done more or less as an intervention. So you wouldn't find me doing an exhibition poster or talking to people and saying, I have an exhibition. I, it takes a long time to make, but then when the work happens, it just happens and then it goes off without any notice. So. This, they, are two, they are totally two different things, but then I, I understand once it's presented within the Saatchi, all these things about formalism, like presenting 
writing a catalog, uh, writing an essay and other things, presents insights into reading the work within the context. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm from Ghana as well. Um, yeah. I'm very familiar with this whole idea um, that people are used to that art is mainly for aesthetic purposes. Yeah. Um, and so I'm just really curious to know, I know you've talked about this generally, but like, how do you break it down? How do you explain to people what exactly your purpose is and how do you get them to understand what it is that you're doing in the way that they're convinced that they, they want to be part of it? Yeah, um, as I spoke about earlier, this idea of trying to convince people about um, what you're doing is always very, very difficult because you can never really explain it in such a way that people would understand. Because you also have to understand that I'm working within a space where language becomes very, very important. So if I, I can't explain myself well in, um, in, uh, in, in the local language as I can explain myself well in English, so if I'm going to talk, although I speak a lot of local languages, but I can't find a form of expression. So that's why I spoke about this idea of having dialogue around um, the conditions of the work or what the, the implications of the work. That is the point at which we can have, start having a dialogue with. Because most of the time when I present this idea to them, whether it's through uh, a picture of um, an installation that is already done, and I talk to them about this idea of working with uh, a certain social condition and all that, then they, this idea of storytelling becomes this point of dialogue because they tend to have all forms of stories about their experiences of moving or trying to deal with the system and all that. And through that, they find a lot of meanings in terms of what the project is about. But in dealing with it with purely from an artistic point, it becomes difficult because how do you explain to them about the ideas of um, minim uh, minimalism or conceptual art or maybe defining what um, uh, installation is? Um, I'll pick up on that yeah. point and say that it's an interesting question of how one then starts to write about an art form that um, ultimately isn't being produced to be understood, um, that isn't kind of um, in any way linked to a kind of formal history that's overt um, and that's ultimately inventing its own language of engagement and that the idea that an audience in that sense I mean you said that you don't create exhibition posters or even advertise these as works and I think that's really something key that I think maybe we should think more in more detail about is why in fact we need to be told to look at art in the first place um, is it indeed that an artwork can exist without um, having us direct our gaze towards it, can it be part of the everyday? And I think that's, that's the experimentation in some ways that's going mm. on here. Yes. A follow-up question. So by the time you finish the project and you've put up the art piece, um, is, it that, is one of your goals to ensure that they feel represented, represented or that their experience or their ex, uh, experience their social status, economic status, is it to feel that they have contributed to the project or contributed to what is put up there? Is that Are you talking about the people, uh, the people that I work with? Yes, or, or like I say, in this setting, in the marketplace, yeah. you want them to feel part of what you're putting up? That no, they I feel don't think it's this idea of, um, um, if, if, I, if I think about it in that way, then it becomes very, very literal. And I think also this idea of, 
um, the integrity of the work that I do also becomes very, very lost or very... I think, uh, I think NGOs would love it if that yes, was your intention. Yes, yeah. But for me, I, I tend to think that, uh, I tend to take my work very seriously and I think it's, I tend to think that it's very serious in terms of how I approach it. And um, in terms of um, installing and also having different forms of engagement with people, sometimes it turns not to be very serious because you can't be over serious with everything. You have to find a way to um, deal with uh, things. And um, it's not necessarily to, um, as you asked, um, to show that they've contributed to it or all that. This idea of contribution also becomes um, very something to look at because then... Because that's what we do. I, 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 I always have problems when I wake up in the morning and I take a newspaper and I open up a paper and then uh, it is, there, there is the picture of the president and it's casting a sword or saying, oh, we've donated or we've done da-da-da-da. I'm like, the world doesn't need to know it. It's, um, it's, uh, it's fundamental. It needs to happen. And it's, 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 it's a purely NGO mentality to me. So I'm much more interested in that yeah, I'm much more interested in the dialogue that happens and not this idea of uh, celebration or trying to make a formal or a direct implication, no. Okay. Uh, hello, my name is Solo Iovesen. <laughs> hey. Um, uh, I had a question um, in relation to both the understanding of the work here and uh, to this idea that it seems like a, a big monument for uh, also manual labor. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what you think about that. And uh, also I walked into Sachi this morning and I think that's, um, that's a message that is somehow uh, clear and full of a lot of aura here because a lot of the audience here will be quite far away from this needle with the, with the yeah. threat. Um, yeah, how, what's your opinion about that? And yes, also um, monumental. Part. Yeah, this um, idea of um, manual or labor implicated in the work, I think it's one of the, um, it's one of the funda uh, fundamental ideas or issues uh, um, in my work. Um, sometimes when I do talk about my work and I talk about um, the processes and all that, I kind of um, hope that the idea of labor is something very strong, but I don't talk about it directly in terms of uh, how I articulate my work. But then it's also it's very, very important that this idea of... Because what happens is that this, uh, this, with, with this particular material, it's, mostly, it's industrially produced. So when I have it, what I have to do is that I have to go through a process of destroying that, to break the chain of the industry and then put it together by the hand gradually. And I think it's in a way of commenting on how um, labor is exploited in a general or in a, like in a much more global context, because um, then it's important that uh, whatever work I make, although it might be specific to maybe a geographical context or within a specific context, but then the, its implication is much more greater in terms of how we view the world, in terms of how people move from one space to the other to extend their livelihoods and all that. But what I like is the idea yeah. that the work isn't an illustration of labour. Yeah. So it's not as though you're trying to say that, um, or that, that uh, the, the uh, way in which the work uh, holds itself or, or kind of 
um, situates itself in public space isn't a monument to the labour of mm. these women. I think it has more to do with um, this idea that process, you know, what we talked about at the very beginning, the idea that you'd begin a process that was social yes. and not necessarily concerned too much about the aesthetic, yeah. but much more concerned with the idea of how society may be useful in the creation of an artwork. It's the very production that is about labour, but it, the works, the, the labour isn't a theme in the work. Mm. I think that's an important distinction. Just one more question, I think, then we, we're, out of, we're out of time. Hi, uh, Paul Davis. Um, wanted to ask you about the duration uh, of, the, of the installation or inst interventions, as you call them. How long are they up for? Is there, since you don't do preparatory drawings or anything of that nature, I don't assume that there's a, a planned time? Of no. Mm. There's no planned time. So sometimes some of them could only last for an hour, or some of them could only last for a week. I think the maximum that their work has lasted for is like three weeks. So sometimes this also depends on how well you're able to negotiate your work way with the space. And sometimes you negotiate your way well with the space and then you're given an unlimited amount of time, but then you also feel that the work could only be much stronger when ex uh, shown within a very short amount of time. So it's mostly between hours to... The maximum I've ever worked with was three weeks. And... Um, so it depends on the space and the Is there one more short question? Oh, go ahead. Hello. Yeah. Um, would you consider to attach your work to a helicopter? A helicopter? Yes. <laughs> that is that a real life project you've never told me about? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But what? <laughs> I want to know what prompted that question. <laughs> I was absolutely serious because it was interesting to me how much does it mean for you to choose a certain location and is it necessary for you to find a certain place uh, where your work will be lying down? And do you want it to rest or do you want it to move? I think um, this idea of um, position, whether it's a stationary or it's a static or whether it's on the floor or it's on the wall, also comes down to the, this idea of um, negotiating. If I'm working on a fully independent project, which I mostly consider my practice to be, even if I work with an institution or anything, the idea of having a total freedom to be able to execute projects that you do on your own, that you have the freedom to exactly to de uh, to decide what happens. So maybe in the future I might have an idea of hanging it on a helicopter. Um, <laughs> it could happen because I have projects that I have thought about working with uh, um, cranes, and then the work just floating in the air or uh, drawing out of a certain architecture. So I think that there is an end endless possibility in terms of how ideas like this could be presented and how people could relate to it. So I think it could be anything. On that note, yes. thank you all for coming. <laughs> thank you.